Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Hi everyone, welcome to Adventures in Autism, episode 64. I am Megan Carranza, thank you so much for coming to listen. If it is your first episode, welcome, so happy to have you. And if you have been listening, thank you so much for coming back and for supporting this show, for reaching out to me and sending messages or writing reviews, telling me how much you enjoy the show. That means the world to me, especially those reviews on Apple Podcasts because they really do help people to find the show. And then we can just spread the love. So today's episode, I'm so excited about. My guest is Laura Sylvester, who is an autism mom. We talk all about her journey with her son, Elliot, who is now 17. So they have, they've lived, they've been on this path for a while now. And Laura has so much wisdom. And I I feel like when you listen to her talk about just her journey of acceptance and kind of coming to this place of like understanding and love, it's so powerful. And I'm just, I'm so thankful that she was a guest on the show. But other than just that, she is also the founder of Good Dog Autism Companions, which is an organization that provides service dogs to individuals on the spectrum. And I was so excited to chat with Laura about this. Service dogs, to me, are just like incredible. <laughs> Whenever I see a service dog, it doesn't matter what, you know, it's helping the person with, I just, I, my heart just bleeds. I can't, I, it just swells. And I'm so, I love it so much. So talking about this today was such a treat. And Laura is just like a wealth of information <laughs> when it comes to this. She's been doing it for a long time. So she knows her stuff. She's on it. And yeah, I got a total education in all things service dogs. I know you will too. And I'm sure everybody listening is going to be like, okay, I need a service dog. <laughs> so without further ado, I hope you enjoy listening to my conversation with Laura. Hi, Laura. Welcome to Adventures in Autism. Hi, Megan. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. So you and I were just chatting before. We have like a mutual friend. She's your friend in real life. She's my just like <laughs> friend, but I love her. Uh, Melinda, Melinda Cook. And she actually did an episode with you a few months back. And like I was telling you, you and I were already in correspondence at that point, And I didn't even realize that you were going to do an episode on her show stands the sugar coat which I also love but I had said to her I'm like Melinda I'm like I wanted to get Laura on the podcast too I'm like I love that you did this episode with her and she's like oh my gosh she's amazing you're gonna love her so the way that I had found you was just through Instagram and I found you through your I'll, I'll let you kind of explain it but your 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 business account I guess we could say yeah um, but to get started if you would sort of take us back to the beginning of your autism journey and what that looked like for you and your family I would love to hear Sure. Yeah. Um, Elliot's autism journey. He's, he's my only son. Um, my, he has a half sister, so my husband has, um, two kids, but, um, it's, you know, now that he's 18 now. So now that we've been in 
the autism world for so long. I kind of think of his autism um, diagnosis and his journey kind of similar. Um, like his diagnosis story is very similar to other parents. So I hear you, it's hard to get an appointment. It's hard to get the diagnosis, you know, very similar. Um, I think where our story kind of took a turn different from, you know, I, I do, I live in the same town as Melinda and we have a lot of mutual friends. And I think one of the ways in which our journey took um, a different turn was and when Ellie was in kindergarten, um, we finally realized through, you know, many serendipitous events that school was just really not where he flourished. Um, and we started homeschooling him as a first grade. And what we really found was that relationship-based therapies, relationship-based interventions was his his thing. That was what he did better with. Um, and being, you know, back then school, all school was very ABA um, orientated and he just kind of lost his soul in school. And so we pulled him out and we started, you know, we did RDI, DIR. We were a Sunrise family for a couple years. Um, and hey, we just, you're saying things that I am somewhat familiar with, but I don't oh. listeners are. So, okay. Maybe, so, so yeah, maybe sorry. it's the acronym world, right? Oh, it's the acronym world. I, I am a little bit familiar because I've talked to Melinda about, um, RDI yeah. uh, and sunrise is a book. Am I right? Well, it's also, it's also a play therapy, okay. um, for kids with autism. So, um, so DIR is floor time. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, (laughs) thanks for interrupting me. Um, (laughs) RDI is relationship development intervention. Uh Um, and sunrise, I also put sunrise kind of in that category in that those programs really focus on the relationship versus the behaviors. So Mm -hmm. ABA is, you know, applied behavioral analysis. It's very much, um, targeting the behaviors. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we see it now, and this is our, you know, my husband and I's personal view, ABA is really trying to conform our kids to fit into society. Um, it's working really hard to conform, you know, make them conform. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we started to look at Elliot as a unique individual that might not ever conform, mm-hmm. then we started to really look at him, I think, as a whole, mm-hmm. as a whole person. Um, and I I'll often call those years of sunrise um, and um, RDI as us really, like it was almost like our journey to acceptance. It was our journey to accepting our son exactly for who he was, not wanting to change a hair on his head. You know, mm-hmm. I spent a lot of years trying to recover him or cure him and mm-hmm. felt it was my responsibility. And um, I think um, I often say that we, that that was our journey to acceptance. Yeah. And um, then, then we took a totally separate road to service dogs and then it finally and then one day it dawned on me that it wasn't a separate road because that's the way our dogs help our kids is unconditionally loving them, you know? Okay. So where I thought those were two separate paths, I realized, um, 
a few years into um, running the service dog organization, oh my gosh, it isn't this, it isn't a different path. It's the exact same path. <laughs> it's so interesting when we have those like light bulb moments, like, oh, this is, like, I, like you said, like I thought I was doing something else, but I've really been doing the same thing the whole time. Right. Um, I want to back up just a little bit. I, I really appreciate you saying you spent a long time trying to you know, recover him. I feel like recovery is one of those words that I'm not going to lie. I hear it and I cringe a little bit (laughs) because, and and I get a lot of people messaging me and asking me about recovery and that I'm just going to be honest. Recovery is really not my goal with Logan. My goal, that's my son. My goal with him is to just have him to, to lead like his healthiest, happiest, safest life. Like basically that's what it comes down to. Um, but it's interesting because so we, we've been doing ABA with him for the past like two and a half years. And I don't, I think we are really lucky with our team and just like their approach, because while I see what you're saying about like the conforming side of things, like it is, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely, um, it is a lot of hard work. I feel like we have been really lucky with our team because they have, have really kind of like let Logan and me like kind of steer the ship. So I've never felt like they were, they were trying to make him conform. And that's, that's not our goal either. It's just really, like I said, just to make him like the happiest, healthiest kid that he can be. And um, independence is always like my goal, but kind of like you said, I think that acceptance piece is so important because I want him to be as independent as he can be, but like, I don't necessarily know, you know, what that means for him, what that looks going to look like. Right. Exactly. Okay. I just like, I want to give him like the best, the best chance at that. Um, So I just think it's interesting because like, like kind of how you were saying, like you were, you thought you were on different paths. They were the same one. I think sometimes like there are different paths, but they still can kind of lead to the same place. Yes, no, absolutely. And I will say that, you know, Elliot's 18. So (laughs) He's significantly older than Logan and ABA used to look very different back then. Um, I'm sure there's, you know, place organizations out there that are stuck in the old ABA model, but I, the more and more that I talk to families and hear from families about what it looks like now, I'm like, Oh wow, that is not the way it looked like for us. So when I talk about ABA um, and what Elliot had, I'm really talking about DTT or discrete trial training. Okay. Um, and I should, and I should actually start calling it that instead of ABA because ABA has really shifted quite a bit, but, um, you know, we also did a lot of PRT which is pivotal response training and that was much more relationship based, um, but still is under the ABA umbrella. So, you know, and every kid is different. I think yeah. the most important thing that I can, I, you know, when I meet a new fa- newly diagnosed family, it's like, I want to say it is not your job to understand autism. It is your job to understand your child's autism because that is going to be so different that it, it could look totally different than anybody else's. Oh, yeah. uh, and you have to trust your mommy gut. The only, and when I look back on this 16 year history of autism, the only moments that I regret are ones when I trusted, when I didn't trust my mommy gut, when a professional said, this is what you need to do. And I thought, oh no, I don't think so in my gut, but I did it anyway. Those are the only times I ever regret on the journey because we know our kids best. We're with them all the time. You have to trust that. Yes, absolutely. 
I think that's good advice for any mom. And that's actually the only piece of advice that I ever really give to any mom. <laughs> yeah, me too. Whenever like a new mom, you know, someone who's having their first baby is like, oh, do you have any advice for me? I'm just like, don't listen to what anything so anybody else tells you and just trust your gut. Yeah. And I think, yeah, whether you have a typical child, a special needs child, that really is the, the best advice. But whereas it's a little bit different for us then is when you, when you have that moment, like you said, where your gut is telling you, oh, this isn't right. That's when you got to dig deep and you got to advocate. And I think that's, yeah. it's a little bit different for us. And we have to be sometimes like a little bit louder voices. Yes. Yes, <laughs> so exactly. That. Yeah. Um, that's interesting though. And I, but I appreciate you saying, like you said, every kid is different and therapies have changed so much over the years there's there's yes but but there there still are people now that will I will talk about Logan's ABA and we really do have like such a great team and some people message me and say like oh our experience was nothing like that like they had my son in tears if that were to be happening I wouldn't there's no way I could stand for it I think yeah Elliot used to cry when the doorbell rang oh my god see like my son runs to the door and like yeah. his therapist and like he his room is like downstairs where we kind of have therapy set up and like is dragging their hand to bring him downstairs like he's yeah. just ready to go yeah it's yeah I, so I it's, can't imagine how hard that would have been for you guys yeah because everybody tells you it's what they're you should be doing right but yeah. then yeah so yeah it and I think that's why sunrise was such a wonderful therapy for us because it kind of undid that it taught him that humans are um user-friendly you know <laughs> that humans are actually here to love you and help you and um so I, we really utilized sunrise as kind of an undoing of some of the aba that he had but okay. you know when you talk about trusting your mommy gut you know i remember when i told my mom that we were going to get elliot a service dog and she said well are you sure it's going to help and i said no i just know <laughs> i have no idea if it's going to help but I know that dogs have helped me throughout my life and through my hard times. And it's something we just feel like we want to try, you know? So, well, that's like a perfect segue then. So you guys initially got into the service dogs because you were looking for one for your son. Yes, exactly. Yep. Um, A friend of mine was getting one from CCI that's canine companions for independence. They're the largest service dog organization in the country. Um, and we actually lived near one, the park we went to, to play, we would walk by it to get there. Like that's how close it was. Oh my God. And a friend of mine got a dog for her son at that, at, at that CCI and invited me to the graduation. And I just sat there. I had a beloved lab who got me through divorce of my first husband and, you know, Elliot's diagnosis and um, Buddy passed away when Elliot was about five. Mm. Um, and I went to that graduation and, and I had thought that I, we would get a new dog, for, you know, for, because Buddy and Elliot were really close when Elliot was little, he would lay on him and hug him. And when Buddy passed away, I thought I can't, you know, getting a dog is a lot of work. And yeah. I, 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 this is not going to, I can't add, you know, I was working at the time I was taking, I was running Elliot sunrise program at the time, Buddy passed away. I'm like, there's no way I can add training a dog to this, um, picture sat in that, that graduation. And I just bawled. I just <laughs> cried because the gra- not only was the graduation full of service dogs that were graduating, but past people come back and bring their dogs. And there was dogs matriculating from their puppy raisers to their, you know, to finishing training. And so there were probably 250 dogs in that, um, 
auditorium for that graduation and they were all so well behaved. Oh my God. And I just sat there and cried and cried. The man in front of me actually said, do you want my dog to sit near next to you? Cause I was crying so hard. Oh my God. So I came home and I, you know, Rick always laughs at me. He's like my husband. He's like, you wouldn't stop talking about that for weeks. Mm -hmm. So we applied for CCI and then we got denied and we just weren't the right fit for them. And I remember thinking when I was filling out their application, I'm going to be honest. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to I'm not going to present something that we're not. I'm going to be honest. And so when they said, can you, can your son come to two weeks of team training at the campus? I put, no, he'll probably try to walk home, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and, you know, and um, he had be, Elliot had become afraid of small dogs because his mother and my mother-in-law, his grandma had a dog that jumped and scratched him. So Mm -hmm. he had become afraid of some, but not others. And so I think it was just a combination of those things who, who knows really, um, you know, they get thousands of applications. Of course, they want to pick the ones that are the best fit and we got denied. And I just, I just, I cried for weeks mm-hmm. and then an ad pop popped up on Facebook. Cause I started asking friends on Facebook who had service dogs, where did you get them? Where did you get them? And you know how that Facebook algorithms work. Yeah. So an ad popped up and we found um, a couple that was, that were training service dogs and we raised the funds and we got orbit and I wanted to thank everybody who had donated money to us, but not all those people were on Facebook. So I wrote a blog and I wrote a blog about the process. Um, and then people started reading the blogs and people, families started contacting us. How do I get a dog? Where do I get a dog? Where did you get a dog? I mean, it was just like incredible. Um, and so we just started a nonprofit. Oh my God. So it was like just through your journey that you were like, we, I want to do this myself. Yeah. Well, and it didn't happen right away. Like we, but what really happened was we thought we knew why we got the service dog for Elliot. We thought we knew it would help him be more independent. He was 10 at the time. He mm-hmm. was always been a mama's boy holding on to my hair or my hand, or we wanted him to kind of get gain a little bit of independence. Um, we knew that he liked to lay on buddy. So we thought a scent for the sensory needs that it would be really helpful for him. He's an only child. So he would have a companion yes. and you know, the unconditional love that, the why we all love dogs. Yeah. And so we, we thought we were pretty clear on why we were getting him a dog. It was pretty clear mm-hmm. until we went to Disneyland and we took, which we do, which we had been going, we have annual passes since Ellie was two. So we, we go, we've been, we'd been going a lot mm-hmm. and we went to Disneyland and all of a sudden Elliot would shriek. He would make atomic Thomas the Tank Engine break screeching noise or he would flap his hands or he would jump up and down. And just like always, the people would turn around and look at you. Mm -hmm. But then immediately their eyes would go straight to the dog. Mm. They would see it was a service dog. If they read closely, they could read that it was autism on the patch. Mm. And then they smiled at you. Oh, my gosh. You just gave me chills. And or. Or they'd say the name of our organization is Good Dog Autism Companions. So, or they'd say, "Oh, he's a good dog. Mm-hmm. He's helping that boy." But where before we would get eyes rolled and mm-hmm. you know nasty comments, or you know, and I always say people are just afraid of what they don't understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you give them a way to understand it, there they turn. Most people turn kind, mm-hmm. and that was when 
my husband and I looked at each other and we went, holy cow, did you see that? Mm -hmm. And then Elliot started walking a little taller, a little more proud, Mm -hmm. a little less hunched down and like he was hiding. Mm -hmm. And it, and we just started to slowly see this change in us where I would go to the grocery store and and Rick and Elliot would stay home. We're like, Oh, let's all go. Mm-hmm. Because it was a different experience out in public with Orbit in his vest. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was really when Rick and I are like, we, we have to do this. We have to provide this to more families. Not everybody is a fit for the, lar- the large service dogs model. Mm-hmm. We can be smaller and help the families whose kids can't go to two weeks of team training yeah. or can't, do- can't speak the commands, you know. And so, yeah, we, we started, um, things aligned so that I actually was on a contract position that got canceled and I got put on unemployment. So I spent all my time, um, you know, dedicated to starting a nonprofit and getting the website up and running and, you know, and then we just, you know, I wasn't paid for the first three, three years. My husband wasn't paid for the first six years. We just really... We just wanted it was it's a lot harder starting a nonprofit is oh. a, lot, a lot harder than ever, either one of us even fathomed it would be. Um, I can only, but we but we stuck through it. You do? I know. I can only imagine how. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I'm glad nobody told me how hard it was. Really, I'm glad no one told me. Yeah, um, you maybe wouldn't have done it. Yeah. Um, and, how long ago was it that you guys started? Uh, we started in 2011. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we eight years. We, um, we are about to place our 50th dog. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty it, – it's even amazing to me to think that, wow, we have – that we've – we're about to place our 50th dog. It's, and we have had bumps along the road, and we've, you know, had hard times and learned. But I always tell people whenever, whenever this job is difficult, I stock – the good dog families on Facebook <laughs> because they're like, Oh, we went here today and Romeo was with us. And, Aww. and, you know, and so I just, I see these little snippets of their lives and, you know, Romeo is Sabrina's dog. And I know when we met Sabrina, she, the, when we said, can we come, you know, meet you out somewhere out in public with a dog, Sabrina's mom said, well, um, yeah, the only place she can really go is Costco. So we met at Costco and now I go on their Facebook page and she's back in school. She's back in church. She's back in an after school program. She's a mentor with AT, um, autism tree project, ATP. She's like everywhere. Like we have, her dog's name is Romeo. We have Romeo sightings here in San Diego. People are like, Oh, I saw Romeo today. He was here. Like, it's just, and so it doesn't, it never matters how hard it gets because, all I have to do is stalk the families on Instagram or Facebook. That is so amazing. Oh my gosh. What, what amazing just gifts you have given these families. But you know what? The true, I mean, thank you. And, but the gift to us is that as a family, we get, we get to do this. Mm-hmm. We get to do this for a living. I mean, I, you know, I hear people, I you know I'm in my fifties. I hear friends at my age, like, I just want to find my life's purpose. I'm like, yeah, you really should. Mm-hmm. It changes everything. <laughs> it's amazing. You got to find it oh. because it, you know, how lucky are we to say we found our life, you know, we found our life's 
purpose. Oh my God. You know, I can just hear your, the passion in your voice and it's, it's amazing. Um, so tell me, okay. So obviously everyone listening now is like, how do I get a dog? <laughs> so uh, can you walk me through the process? Like for, with you guys or just in general, other, if, yeah. yes. If a family is looking for a service dog, what is the best way to, to go about that? Yeah. So I'll start with the thing everybody wants to know first and is how long does it take? Yes. Um, and most organizations have, including us have about a two year wait list. So, um, and we think I'm just going to start with the nitty gritty facts that I like to get out and then I'll (laughs) go through the process. Um, we, after doing this now for as long as we've done it, we have identified the sweet spot of age as seven to 10. Mm. So, um, kids have benefited from dogs, getting them younger and lots of kids have benefited from them, getting them older. Um, and I would, even with seven to 10, I would go to the older side of that. And one of the things that people don't think about, and I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but when a, when a family calls me and they have a three-year-old and they want a dog and they want a dog right now, I Tell, I tell them something they don't want to hear, and that is if we give you a two-year-old dog, because it takes two years for the dogs to be trained and ready right now, and your child is three, they're going to have a 10-year working life if you're lucky. Mm-hmm. And so when your child is heading into puberty, mm-hmm. teenagehood, they're going to lose their – they're going to lose their dog. They're- now, you can get a successor dog. Right. Mm -hmm. He might just retire because he's too old. It doesn't mean he's going to pass away at that age. But usually you can count on about a 10 year working life. So my kid's 18. Mm -hmm. I know what puberty has looked like. And it's not easy. It is not easy years. Um, He's become way more social, which has been great for us. But it's puberty. You know, Mm -hmm. us neurotypicals have trouble with puberty, right? (laughs) So I like people to look at that when they're kind of thinking and planning on this, the possibility of adding a dog to their life, um, a service dog to their life. It's also a lot, all of our families will tell you it's a lot more work than they thought. They thought when they saw service dogs out in public, that that was a perfectly trained dog that handed that got handed to you and you were off and running mm-hmm. but it is more like adding a baby to your family or a better analogy is um we have a family who adopted a daughter from the Ukraine mm-hmm. and when we gave them the transition schedule that says when you bring your dog home this is what we recommend and it's mm-hmm. a 6 month transition schedule in the first three months it says no parties no visitors no extracurricular activities and this family who had adopted a daughter from the ukraine said oh it looks just like the um ukraine transition Uh schedule and we were and my husband i was like impressive honey because he just came up with the transition schedule from our experience you know Uh i'm like way to go but it is you are adding a member to your family and there is transition so what we say now is we give you a fully trained service dog but it is not a complete you are not a complete um, team of three until you've had the dog at least six months Okay. So it takes a while. So you really want to consider when, when is that going to be a good time for you to be really focused and you need to think about the other kids in your family and how, how old they are and how much attention they need and Mm -hmm. um, things like that. So those are my, those are my considerations for a service dog. Um, And then I'll then 
talk about the process? Yeah, I think yeah. that's those are really good things to to even bring up because I, I, as someone who knows nothing about this, I wouldn't have even considered that. But yeah, like you said, I mean, during the the really difficult times in your life, that's when you kind of would need your companion the most. Yeah. Um. And then like like for us, because you know my son, he'll be seven in December, but I have two little girls also his little sisters so like my youngest is only one and I can only imagine like yeah bringing in a dog into the family now yeah um, I could totally I, I I totally see what you're saying that it's like it really has to be the right time for obviously you know your child in the spectrum but just like your family in general general yeah, yeah. absolutely mm-hmm. and one of the rules in one of the re- rules when you do bring the the dog home is that the every there's a usually a parent is a main is the main handler of the dog or the leader of the dog right mm-hmm. and then the child is the is like the litter mate or the friend of the yeah. dog everyone else in the family for in for the most success in placement it's best if everyone else in the family back off what's well, really hard to tell a two-year-old or a three-year-old don't pet the dog don't yeah. love the dog that's hard Yeah. Right. So it doesn't mean what what Rick and I always say is we will tell you best practices for the most successful placement possible. But we also understand that every family is unique and different. And it's our job to tell you this is what we suggest you do. If you don't do that, this is what you can expect. Mm -hmm. Um, But being an autism family, we've always really wanted um, our organization to be flexible and look at every family individually. Um, you know, we recently had a family who was on the list and the mom got pregnant that was not planned. Mm. And so they called us up. They're like, what do we do? Um, and we said, well, we're going to have to work with you really individually on when is going to be the right dog for you. Like you might have to wait now a lot longer. Like we don't know. Mm -hmm. Well, it just so happened that our lead trainer also was also recently had a baby mm-hmm. and the dog that she trained that has grown up with a baby was a perfect match for mm-hmm. this family. Wow. So we're like, you got lucky. Yeah. <laughs> that was just like a, a destiny stepping in. Yes. And we find that seems to happen quite a bit. It's oh. just amazing. We have a scientific process for matching dog to family, but we also really go like to go into it with an open mind because we always feel like there's something there's a bigger picture that there's a bigger piece of it that we're always kind of, I don't want to sound too ethereal, but um, yeah, I love that. <laughs> we're just very like, okay, so this is what the scientific information tells us about a match, but let's make sure we're open to other things like, mm-hmm. you know, and they were a scientific match to our lead trainers, you know, that dog. Mm-hmm. But then you go, oh yeah baby baby this is the only dog this family could have yeah is one that's grown up with a baby like this like it's the only one so we always think there's bigger things if we're open to it there's always bigger things but okay so (laughs) i have still not answered your question that i think you asked me 10 minutes ago no this is all really really useful and, and and valuable to hear um okay so so then the family let's say they're like no it is the right time they're on the wait list is is that the next step is finding the scientific match for them? Um, well, we should probably back up a little bit okay. in that um, you really want to 
um, one of the things that we offer is it called a free chat. And basically that's a fancy word for talk to me for 30 minutes on the phone. Um, but the reason we offer a free chat is because it's really hard to just talk to somebody in the industry and tell them about your situation and feel like you're being heard and like so that you can talk to somebody and say, do you th even think my child could benefit? Like you don't want to do that if you're in an interview process with, with an organization. And usually you don't d get to talk to a person until you're in the interview. Mm -hmm. You know, you've applied and you're in the interview. So our free chat is, and I am not on the application review committee for this very reason. <laughs> I do not decide who makes it who is a good fit for our program or not. Mm -hmm. And we really, really try to, it is not accept and deny. That is not, we never use those words. Mm -hmm. It's you like you, like Logan needs this in a dog. Is that the, is that the way we train our dogs? Mm -hmm. Right. So it's a fit issue and yeah. we always want it to, to be both sides are deciding if, mm -hmm. is this the right organization? Um, if families call me in a free chat and their number one priority is safety, we're not the right organization. We, mm -hmm. we do not, you know, we don't provide, our dogs don't do safety. Okay. Um, so we will send people someplace else. It's very difficult to have a dog that's going to lower your stress hormones, hang out with you while you do your homework, love you unconditionally, lay next to the couch, who also has to be alert in case you leave, mm. right? Mm -hmm. It's a very different temperament to, to a dog that's going to search and rescue and alert when something happens. That's a different, right? You can just imagine oh. the personality is going to be very different. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So our free chat program is really for anybody who wants information about a service dog. And it's on our website. You can find it. You can sign up. That's that's just a separate service that we offer. Then most organizations have an application process, an interview process. Um, they check references. Some do a home visit. Um, and then you're on the wait list. Um, if you, you know, if it looks like it's a good fit, then you're on the wait list and you're waiting. We have a fundraising requirement in our organization. Most organizations do places like CCI um, that I mentioned earlier, Canine Companions for Independence. They do not. They they provide their dogs free of charge. Oh. Um, most smaller organizations like ours have a fee for service or a fundraising requirement. Um, so that's a big factor for people. They've got to wrap their head around whether they think they can raise the money or um, it's not a requirement that you fundraise, but it is a requirement that you come up with $16,000 for a dog. I was going to ask, so, will you give the number? Oh yeah, of course. Yes. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's it's a some, price tag. <laughs> no, it is. But, and that is, that is not, that is not what it costs. So, mm -hmm. um, our program is pretty lean, um, believe it or not. <laughs> and our, for every dog family program, it's $26,000. So that's from the time the family applies all the way to the, for the life of the dog. Wow. So it's not, and that includes everything the dog needs and all the training and support and education that the families need Okay. and follow up and follow up. And, you know, it's a link. It's the life of the dog, right? It's not just, it's not just one part of the process. It's the whole thing. So in our program, our families fundraise or pay a fee for service of 16 and we fundraise the, the other 10, okay. um, if you, if you Google like costs of service dogs, like I know canine companions for independence estimate theirs at 45,000 wow. um, guide dogs for the blind are 
upper echelon, they're about 60,000 each. So it is just how much time goes into every single client and dog when, when you break it down. It's, a, it, it's shocking to people. Um, I notice now, well, people I talk to now are much more aware than yeah. when we started eight years now, ago. I, I knew it was thousands of dollars. I wasn't sure the exact number, but I, I knew it was, like I said, a hefty price tag. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it just so much goes into every yes. single dog. And then not every dog makes it. So if we're, if the way we're, you know, costing it out is $26,000 for every one, we also have, you know, 40% of our dogs in training don't make it. Mm. So you have that price tag that we also have to, you know, balance. So like I said, it's way more difficult than we ever thought when we started it. But, um, (laughs) but then, so families fundraise. um, And then in our, and we have a process diagram on our website under get a dog. Mm, um, that's kind of helpful. It's visual, you know, visually shows you <laughs> for those, for those of us autism parents, we, you know, ha- want to look at something visual, exactly. we can see it. Um, <laughs> and then we match and then, and this is very similar to most organizations that you would go to. Um, you get matched to the dog, then the dog is in final training for you. And then, and then comes a team training. So a team training is when the, the, Either, depending on the organization you go to, the child and the parent who's going to be the main handler go to team training, or in our program, it is just the parent. Mm -hmm. So one thing I would highly recommend for anybody that's interested is um, Netflix came out with a mini series a while back called Dogs. Mm -hmm. And the very first episode is of a family who gets a seizure alert dog from Four Paws for Ability. Mm. And you can kind of, it follows along the journey and at four paws for ability, um, the whole, the whole family comes to team training and it's 10 days. So in our program, the parent only comes, the child does not come and it's five days because we're like, okay. yeah, nobody can be along away from their kid longer than yeah. five days. <laughs> what Megan? I said, we know, you know, what's realistic. Yeah, right. But I mean, I think if you're taking your whole family with you, okay, but people still have to get up work for that long. But, um, but we've just set up our program the way we would have wanted to do it for us, for ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. And so like our team training is only five days, but we have an online class once a month for six months leading up to team training. Because you don't have to be sitting in front of us with your dog to learn about ADA law and how it applies to service dogs, right? That can be done online. So we've kind of tried to figure out how the shortest amount of time we can keep a parent away from home. But the other thing that's happening during those five days is that the dog is bonding to their new leader. Mm. And that's really, really important because this dog, we get sensitive dogs on purpose. Mm-hmm. sensitive dogs are going to do a better job and be more empathetic and loving to your kids. And so these dogs need, by the time they graduate on Saturday and go home from team training with their leader, they need to feel bonded and safe and secure with their new leader. Mm-hmm. So there's, go ahead. is that why you have just the parent go because the parent is the leader that you want them to see the parent in that leadership role? Also, because it is an intense five days. And if you were taking care of your child, Mm -hmm. as well as trying to learn, you wouldn't be able to, you wouldn't be able to do it. Yeah, because you're it's intense. There's quizzes every day. There's a final, there's reading, there's public access practice, there's tests, you know, it's, 
it's an, there's a lot to learn. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot to learn. And so we used to, in the very beginning, bring the dogs to the families in their home. And we're like, they, you can't concentrate. No. If you are still trying to put dinner on the table and take, you know, I could not sit in a, I, you know, every kid's different, but I couldn't sit and learn in a class if I had to take care of Elliot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that so, makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in some programs, the child comes and then if the child isn't able, like at CCI, the child comes and if the child is not able to sit in class and learn, then you're, then you have to bring someone else to care for the child, Mm -hmm. but the child does have to be present. Okay. So these are all considerations when you're trying to decide what program is best for you. Yeah. You know, we end up with the families who will learn and that it works much better that their child doesn't have to come. Like my son for just recently, he flew on a plane, but he hadn't for eight years. He got Mm. it. And so he couldn't have come. He couldn't have flown. He couldn't, you know what I mean? There's a lot of things, a lot of reasons. Um, And then they take their dog home and then we have a lot of Mm follow-up. So, and our follow-up really brings me to one last point that I want to bring up because unfortunately it's very sad, but there's fraud in the industry. Mm. Um, And, if you type in service dog fraud, I think like 3 million things come up. Um, I think that's, I think I typed in autism service dog fraud and 3 million come up. So wow. the quick that it, this doesn't, the quickest way to avoid families being taken advantage of in the service dog industry is to use an organization that is assistance dog international candidate or member. So we in the service dog industry have a membership organization it's called assistance dogs international and if you are a candidate or a member of adi you have to follow incredibly strict standards and guidelines Mm. so no one is ever going to be taken advantage of if they go with an adi organization now that is not to say that there aren't wonderful organizations out there like autism service dogs of america in oregon they have a wonderful reputation. I've never heard anything bad about them, but they're not ADI. Mm-hmm. So that, it, it doesn't mean you have to go with ADI. It just means that's your safest bet yeah. if you're worried about fraud. And the other thing I would say is do not get a dog from any organization unless you've talked to someone that's got a dog from there. Mm, okay. Just, just, just. You know, if if an organization doesn't have any families that are willing to talk to prospective families, that something's wrong. That's good advice for sure. Yeah. yeah. So I hate to bring up a negative no, at the end, no. but it's unfortunately I, in the years I've been in this, I've seen it several sure. times. So. Yeah. Wow. I feel like I just got a crash course <laughs> oh, good. education in service dogs. Um, I just, what an incredible, I, I, I was going to say service that you're providing, but I mean, obviously the dogs are providing such an amazing service, just, just everything. Like you said, when you can find, you can tell this is yours. It's such a beautiful thing and it, it's inspiring to me. And I think to everybody listening and just, I, I'm, I'm so, so grateful that people like you exist truly. Well, and right back at you. I mean, the podcast that you offer and the way you're willing to share, you know, your story so openly, it helps so many families. So, Aww. you know, well, somebody said to me um, when Elliot was young, aren't you afraid of what his future looks like? And I said, 
I just might be the uh, ridiculous optimist. But I said, no, because this, when he gets older, the services that are going to be available then are unknown right now. They're, see, they're not even seeds yet. And yeah. I, and the parents I've met in the autism community so far, I can, I can tell you right now, if, if it doesn't exist, they're going to build it. <laughs> that's very true. We are, we are definitely right? a bunch. Um, that's so true. I was just talking to a friend of mine the other day who does not have any children, let alone a special needs child. And we were kind of talking about the future and she was like, Megan, she's like, think about like where she's like, we don't know where anything is going to be, you know, 10 years from now. She's like, just, just imagine, like, like you said, it is, a, it's like a seed and we, we don't even know, we don't even know like what, what's going to be around the corner. And that's a really good perspective to have. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I've been sometimes ridiculously optimistic, I think, but um, I just choose, I just choose to live that way, but it's true. I see people doing it all the time, starting things, you know, now that Elliot's 18, everybody's worried about, you know, we have a a, locally in our community, Melinda started it, autism masterminds where parents of older kids get together and talk about the issues and the good, the bad. Yeah, it is. I, I really, since starting the podcast and just everyone that I've spoken to, it's amazing how having a, a child with special needs or obviously autism in our case, really just, I feel like you could, you know, kind of, like you said, maybe you're too optimistic. I think there's some people that maybe are too negative. And I think it's, it's easy to, to assume that you want to go into that role of like, kind of, you know, hiding in your shell, never coming out, but it's like, everyone that I speak to these moms and dads, they're, they're just rising to the occasion and not only helping their kids, but helping other people's kids too. And it's, it's really just amazing. And I'm so honored to honestly be a part of the community. So well, us too. Yes. Yes. And you guys are doing such amazing work and thank you so much for sharing everything and giving us all that amazing info. Anyone who is interested in connecting with you, how can they find you guys? Yeah. So it, it's super, if you just Google good dog autism, you can find it. Um, gooddogautism.org sends you to our website. The long URL is good dog autism companions, but really we got gooddogautism.org so that everybody wouldn't have to type in that much. So, and then I'm on Facebook, Laura Morrison, Sylvester. I, I accept all autism parents as friends. It's kind of just become a, you know, way for me to be a part of this community now. So, but, um, and our Instagram is really um, probably because we got a family that has 111,000 followers. Our Instagram is kind of boomed up, but we have this, one of my favorite highlights on Instagram is we have one that's called Insta families. And that is where we link to good dog families who have a dedicated Instagram account for their child Mm -hmm. and their dog. And so I always tell families to that are thinking about getting a dog to follow those families, because it's one thing to follow the nonprofits mm-hmm. Instagram, but to follow a family, you know, the personal family, the real story. Life. Yeah. The real life yeah. story. Like we share a lot um, of our family, you know, our, fam- our families are great. They let us share their stories. So, so many of them, but looking at an Insta family is kind of a really great way. Like if you think, do I want to, do I want a service dog for my child? I don't know. Those are great accounts to follow because they just share their stories. Oh, so amazing. I, well, I follow you guys on Instagram. 
but I'm definitely going to check out those family just because I'm, I'm curious to see. Cause I mean, I love following you guys. I, I, oh, I'm you. definitely a dog lover. I can't wait for my mom and my brother to hear this. Cause they are like insane dog lovers. Oh, great. <laughs> they are yeah. going to go nuts when they hear this. Um, and they, they're, yeah, they're going to want to follow all those accounts. Well, um, one of my goals is to get our Instagram numbers up so that we can start getting, you know, it's amazing what happens when you get to high numbers in Instagram that they, the, you know, there's so many more sponsorship opportunities and things that we could bring to our families that we've got our numbers up. So, yeah, but I don't want to do it. You know, I don't want to do it. I want to do it authentically, not, yeah. you know, <laughs> I don't want to buy followers. I want followers. Right. You want to increase your reach. just open. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Because I, I see these things that. that happen to people who have all these followers, they get like special promo codes and I'm like, I want to do that so I can give our families all yeah. these special promo codes. Yes. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> someday. Someday we'll get there. Oh, yeah. It's a whole world. Well, oh, Carl, thank you again so much. This has been so much fun to chat with you. And yeah, you got my wheels turning for sure. But everybody, yeah, definitely check out Good Dog Autism. And just again, thank you for everything that you're doing and for coming on the show and chatting with us. It was my pleasure and honor to be here and right back at you. Thanks for everything you do for our community. Oh, you're so sweet. All right. Well, you take care. You too. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. For you, the listeners of Adventures in Autism podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I often get asked for book recommendations related to autism, and one that I always go back to is called The Out of Sync Child by Carol Kranowitz, and it was actually recommended to me by a friend who is also an OT, and I read this book years ago before Logan was even diagnosed. It's not necessarily just for autism. It also goes into like sensory processing disorder or ADHD, but it's just very valuable information and a really great resource that I still pull from today, even though I read it years ago. So that's a really good one. Sometimes just to get my mind off things, I also just enjoy good old chiclet. (laughs) I love anything by Emily Giffen, like something borrowed or something blue, and those are available on Audible as well, but you can pick from any of their titles. So to download Download your free audiobook today. Go to audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism. All one word. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism for your free audiobook. Okay, well, I hope you enjoyed listening to my conversation with Laura. Wasn't she just a delight? She is so incredible. And I just feel like the passion she has for this just like radiates through her and I love it so much. I'm so appreciative. Definitely follow Good Dog Autism. You need to see these dogs and these families. It's just incredible what they're doing. And again, thank you so much to Laura for coming on the pod and sharing all of your knowledge with us. It was just incredible to hear all this. So much goes into it that I never even would have thought about. So that was really fun to get to chat with her. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook at Adventures in Autism Podcast, on Instagram at Adventures in Autism Pod, or you can email me at Adventures in Autism 2018 at yahoo.com. Again, I love to hear from you guys. If you have any feedback about the show, if you're enjoying the show, if you have a question, 
hit me up. I'm open for business. (laughs) But that is all for now. So until next time, take care.